Well, turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4, we're continuing, of course, our study of the gospel of Matthew, and this is, of course, looking through one of the apostles of Jesus Christ, and, and he presents Jesus, and we've seen this over and over, he presents Jesus as the king of the Jews. He is the one that the old, you know, he says that Jesus is the one that the Old Testament prophesies as the Messiah, the Savior, and the King, the descendant of King David. And so this is what we're seeing as we go through the gospel. This morning, we're, we're seeing something special. We're seeing the earthly ministry, the beginning of the earthly ministry of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In fact, there's a term we're going to see a little bit later on in Matthew 4, 17. It says, from that time, he began to proclaim and announce. And that's special in the gospel of Matthew because that shows it's a particular unit and he's going to go for Oh, about the next oh, 12 chapters, he's going to be talking about Jesus' ministry, and then he's going to change after that, and we'll see that. I've got some questions just for us to think about as we look, because uh, this is his message is the kingdom of heaven's hand, but I've got some questions for us to think about. First, where did the ministry begin? Where was it? And because and, and Jesus is the light of the world, we're going to see that. And then the second is, what was the message of the king? What did he proclaim? And the third thing is, how did Jesus pick his disciples? Now, when I read the scripture a while ago, it says that Jesus was, was, uh, was walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he sees these two guys, Peter and, John, and uh, Andrew, and he goes, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And they go, yeah, okay. It, it, did they know him? Did he just walk by the Sea of Galilee, see a couple of guys fishing, and say, come? And then he goes a little further, and he sees James and John, and he says, come make our fishers of men, and they leave everything. Is that what happened? Is that how it happened? Did they know him? What's going on? And then the last, so how did he pick them? And we're going to see that that's not a salvation passage there. I'll talk to you in a little bit later about it. And why do you think Jesus had his headquarters in Capernaum and not Nazareth or not Jerusalem? We'll see it as we go through. There's so much in this section, and we'll see it this morning. When you say somebody's in the ministry... What does that mean? Well, oftentimes we say, oh yeah, in the ministry, that's somebody like full-time, somebody that sort of earns their living for the ministry. That's like JB, JB earns, he's in the ministry, or people on our staff, or people in our church, some of them are, are in what they'd call full-time Christian work. Or somebody like Reuben, and we say, oh yeah, he's a, he's a missionary in Uganda, so he's like full-time in the ministry. And when we think about that, that's what we say, but do we realize that every believer is in the ministry? Those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, we're all set apart to represent Christ, to proclaim the message of Christ. We have a ministry that we call the Ministry of Reconciliation. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20, where it talks about that God has deposited, given to us the Ministry of Reconciliation. He's given us the Word of Reconciliation, and we get to tell people the story of the Bible, how the perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his Son, Jesus Christ. That's what reconciliation is. We get to tell people. In fact, verse 20 of 2 Corinthians Corinthians 5 says, we're ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech through us. So do you realize that every one of you in this room, every one of us in this room, we're in the ministry. Now, some of us get paid for it. Some of us, get, I get paid to be in the ministry. I do it on a full-time basis. All of, all of us are full-time in that sense. Some of you, you don't get paid. I do. <laughs> but the bottom line is we all in ministry together. 
today, we're seeing Jesus as he begins what we call his earthly ministry. We see that as we look at the book, he was born and he grows up. And Luke says when he's about 30 years old, the gospel of Luke says, he began his ministry. Matthew shows us the beginning of the one who is the king of the Jews, the Messiah, and the Savior. Our last couple of weeks, we've seen a couple of things. We saw the baptism, where he came and was baptized by John. That was identification with mankind. Then we saw the temptation, which basically was to show that he cannot sin. And then we saw the devil tempting him. It was a really powerful passage where we saw all those things. Well, this morning, as, as, as we're continuing on, let me remind you that we're seeing the beginning of the ministry, but here's what we remember. Think about this. We've seen the background of the king, the one born king of the Jews. We've seen his baptism to identify with mankind. We've seen his temptation, which is the character of the king, and now we're seeing what is known as the platform of the king. I hope you picked this up when you came in. We have them on the table out there. We gave them out when we first started. It, it's a little card that on one side it tells you, it says Matthew, and it tells you the author and the date, gives you an overview and gives you things. On the flip side, there's actually an outline taking you through the, the gospel of Matthew. We're in part two right now. It says the platform of the king, and that's what we're seeing. We're beginning to see the beginning of the ministry and the platform. What did the king teach? What was it all about? And uh, so as we begin, Matthew shows us after the temptation, Jesus then let, let me show you something. Jesus, this passage basically says, after John got put into prison, Jesus went north and went back to Galilee, that part. Now, we're going to find that there was a lot of things that happened in between the baptism of Jesus and him going north, and we'll show you that this morning. Let me give you just a little outline of our passage. We're calling it the beginning of the ministry, verses 12 through 22, the location of the ministry, 12 and 13, the prophecy that it dealt with. Then what was his message? And then we're going to actually see the disciples, the one that he calls, and we're going to see how that fits together. Let me let you understand sort of where everything is. When you think about Israel, and if most of you know it, that you know there's Jerusalem right there, and there's, this is part is called Judea. That was the bottom section. There was a middle section called Samaria. There was a northern section called Galilee. And there's the Sea of Galilee. Down here is the Dead Sea. So a Jewish person at the time of Christ would say that people are in Judea, southern part, Samaria, middle part, Galilee, northern part. Now, the rich people, the religious leaders, they all lived in Jerusalem. That was the big town, okay? The farmers and the fishermen all lived up in here. And the Samaritans, we were half Jewish and half Gentile, uh, they were despised, they didn't get along with the Jews, and most of the time a Jewish person, if they were traveling and they were going to go to Jerusalem from the north, they would actually come down, cross over, come all the way across, and then come back this way, because they didn't want to go through Samaria. Now, Jesus went through Samaria all the time, He never, because he went to proclaim the message uh, of himself everywhere. So that's the flow, that's what the, the, the place looks like. Now, let me give you this. Let me give you the idea. Jesus had been in Nazareth. John the Baptist is down here baptizing. Jesus lives, comes down to Jericho, Jerusalem, and then over into this region, he gets baptized by John. Other things happen. We'll go back to that in a minute. He leaves and goes all the way back to Nazareth, and then something happens in Nazareth. I'll tell you what happens in a minute. And then he goes to Capernaum. That's, that's, it's, a, it's on the sea. It's a town on the Sea of Galilee. That's where he has his ministry. And so what we're seeing is he's leaving Jesus. As we look at our passage, he's going to leave here, 
go, and it doesn't tell us. He just says he goes to Nazareth, and then after Nazareth, he goes to Capernaum. We're going to look a little bit later in the passage as we go through it. Why did he go to Nazareth, and then why did he leave Nazareth to go to Capernaum? So there's a lot of things. John gets put into prison. We'll talk more about it in a second. Look at verse 12. It says, now, when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and settled into in Capernaum. Now, when he heard John was in prison, now John, Jesus got the word that John the Baptist had been thrown into prison. He withdrew to Galilee. He went back to Galilee. That's where he had been from. He came down there just to be with John. We're going to see that time has passed. Now, here's the question. Why did he leave? Well, John's in prison. Why is John in prison? We're going to see it later on in the Gospel of Matthew. But what happened is that John, John was, he was wild. As you know what he looked like. Hair never cut, lived out there, ate locusts, wild honey. People are coming from all over to see him. He's just a wild-looking man. And he proclaimed the, the, the truth, but he also was very straightforward. And one of the, one of the big leaders one of, one of the Herods had actually took, took his brother's wife and married her. And John the Baptist said, you cannot marry, you're not supposed to marry your brother's wife. You did wrong. And so uh, he, picked, he put John and put him into prison. And this is what happens here. Now, what actually happened a little bit later on, and we'll see it later on, is that after John got thrown into prison, then one day uh, this, this religious leader, uh, uh, this not religious leader, this Jewish, uh, this uh, Roman leader, he had a party, and this wife brought her daughter in, and she danced very well. And he said, well, I'll give you half the kingdom for dancing so well. What do you want? She went to her mother, and her mother hated John the Baptist because John the Baptist had said, you're not supposed to be married to him. And so she said, just cut off John the Baptist's head and bring it in here. And the king, he said, I mean, that's what he called himself a king. He said, well, I guess so. So they went and killed John, tore his head off, and put it on a platter. That's what happened to John. Now, John is now thrown into prison. So why did Jesus live, leave the southern part? First of all, because John's in prison. But also, I want you to think about this. The ministry, the forerunner, is over. What was John the Baptist's job? Anybody remember? It was to point out Jesus. He's been pointing out Jesus and pointing out Jesus and pointing out Jesus. Jesus is now ready to begin the ministry. John gets thrown into prison. And so it's basically now time to start the ministry. That's what we're going to see. Look what it says. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been put in, taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee. That's the northern part. Leaving Nazareth, that's his hometown, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. You say, what in the world? What, what are we talking about? Zebulun and Naphtali? What are we talking about? Well, he then goes to Capernaum, and if you remember, Capernaum is way up here. He goes first of all to Nazareth, and then he goes to Capernaum. And Capernaum is a much larger city than Nazareth. It's also on a trade route. Now, if you listen, we know Nazareth is famous because Jesus grew up there. But if you were in Israel, and, and, and especially at the time of Christ, and said Nazareth, everybody go, Nazareth? That's a little bitty town. Nobody knows Nazareth. In fact, when they said Jesus of Nazareth, some people said, can anything good come out of what? Nazareth? I mean, that's just a little bitty town. Now, Capernaum is bigger, and it's on a trade route, and it's, it's a place where fishermen are, and there's all kind of commerce. And so Jesus makes his headquarters in Capernaum because it's a much larger city. Now, here's the question I want you to see. Why did Jesus 
go to Nazareth, his hometown, and then leave and go to Capernaum to start the ministry. You could say, well, Nazareth is a little bitty town. He's going to go to Capernaum. I want you to see something that happened. Hold your place in Matthew. Turn to Luke chapter 4. So go Matthew, Mark, Luke, and go to Luke chapter 4. I want you to see something. Okay, everybody turn there. All right, listen to this. This is Luke chapter 4, verse 14. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. That's, he's gone from the south to the north. And the news spread. He was teaching in the synagogues. And where did he come to? Verse 16. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. Now let me tell you, he's famous. He's now become... People are, people are hearing about him. They know, they're hearing about his miracles. They're doing something. So they're all there. And he comes to his hometown. He goes into the synagogue. When you go into the synagogue, they have these, the scroll, which is the reading of the Bible. And every, every time they would meet together on the Sabbath, somebody would pull out, and somebody had the privilege of reading the Scripture. This day, Jesus goes in, and they give him the Scripture to read. And it just so happens that he reads from Isaiah. It, and that's, it says, the book was handed to him where it was written, and it says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to anoint me to preach the gospel. He sent me to proclaim. And, I, and he's doing all this. And Jesus then rolls up the scroll and says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in me. And he just told everyone there that I'm the Messiah and the Holy Spirit's come upon me and I'm proclaiming the good news message of salvation found in me. That's what he says. And they all go, really? And they all think, well, that's, that's nice. And then he says that God is going to reach the Gentiles. And they get so mad that he said Gentiles that they take him throw him out of the city, take him to the edge of a cliff, and they're about to throw him over to kill him. And it says he then walks right through the crowd. If you want to look at verse 28 of Luke 4, and all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things, and they got up and they drove him out of the city and they led him to the brow of the hill on which the city had been built in order to throw him down the cliff. But passing through their mist... He went on his way. And then look at the next verse. And he came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching on the Sabbath. So why did he leave Nazareth? They tried to kill him. That's one reason he left. That's a pretty good reason. I mean, we could probably leave there if they thought they were going to kill us all. So go back to Matthew chapter 4. And so what we find is Jesus has left the southern part of Israel. He's gone to Nazareth. He basically, they wanted to kill him. So he now he goes to Capernaum and starts the ministry. But I want you to notice something. Look again at verse 13 of Matthew 4. And leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. What are we talking about, Zebulun and Naphtali? That's the tribes. Look, the nation of Israel, when they came into the land, they divided the tribe, the land up to the tribes. There's the tribe of Judah and Ephraim and Reuben and Gilead and Manasseh and Simeon. And look, there's Zebulun and Naphtali. They're right beside the Sea of Galilee. And so, it used to be called Sea of Chinnereth. Sometimes it was called uh, the T Sea of Tiberias. Uh, but most of the time, the Jewish people called it the Sea of Galilee. There's the two tribes right there, Zebulun and Naphtali. And listen to this. Old Testament prophecy 
Isaiah 9 said, but there will be no more gloom for who who has lived in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the the land of Naphtali with contempt, but later on, he will make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan. Galilee, the Gentiles, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. And those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Jesus, the, the, Isaiah prophesied that a light would shine in these two tribes. Those two tribes are where Jesus began his ministry, and he's the light. And if you look at the Gospel of Matthew, it quotes in verses 15 and 16. I won't read them again because I just read them up there. They quote, that passage is quoted, Isaiah 9, verses 1 and 2. That's the light. The ministry begins here. They will see the light of Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world. In John chapter 1, it says, In him was life, and he is the light of man. That's who he is. Now, Jesus is the light of the world. Now, they understand that he came to a place that was called darkness. We live in a place that is darkness. Many people in our community and in our world live in darkness because they do not know the truth of Jesus Christ. They don't know it. And we are to be the lights shining on a hill. We are to be the lights of the world. We are to reflect the glory of Jesus Christ. We are to go into our community in the midst of darkness where people do not know Jesus Christ and proclaim to them clearly the grace message of salvation. Now, there's a lot of messages out there, but it's not the grace message of salvation. It's a confused message, and there's a lot of people who hear messages, and they don't know what to believe. We have a clear message, salvation by faith alone in Christ alone. We've got to go into our community because it's full of people who live in darkness who do not understand the truth. And so as Jesus began his ministry, and this it said in Isaiah 9, it said that's where he's going to begin his ministry, and that's what he did. And so as we begin this morning, we see Jesus has started his ministry in the northern part of Israel, in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, in the city of Capernaum. Now watch verse 17. What does it say? From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we're going to talk about repent in just a minute. We talked about it when we saw John. Repent means change your mind. That's what it means. But I want you to notice it's a turning point. From that time... Jesus began to proclaim. This is his ministry. When we started the Gospel of Matthew, whatever it was, two, a couple of months ago, we said this when we divided the book. We said this, that chapter 1, beginning at 1 through chapter 4, verse 16, is called the introduction. And that's where you see him being born. That's where you see him run into Egypt. That's where you see John the Baptist. This is where you see him get baptized. This is where you see him start the ministry. Then in verse 17, John chapter 4, verse 17, says, from that time, that's his public ministry, he offers himself as king. I want you to know that we're going to be studying for months, and we're going to get to to chapter 16, verse 21, and it's going to say, from that time, and it says, Jesus prepared to go to Jerusalem to die. So that's the change. From 417, from that time, he has his public ministry beginning in chapter 16, verse 21. From that time, the rest of the book is Jesus going to Jerusalem to die for our sins. That's how the book breaks down. This is the key. This is the start 
of the ministry. Now, he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is hand. I want you to understand that repentance means a change of mind. And uh, that's what it's all about. He's proclaiming that they should change their mind about who he is, that the king is here. When he says the kingdom of heaven is in, he's saying the king is here, the Messiah is here. It means to change your mind. And he, a lot of times people misunderstand the word. Many of you have heard that repent means turn from sin. It does not. It's metaneo in the Greek, meta, naos, meta, after, naos, thought. It means an afterthought or a change of mind. And so anytime you see in the Bible the word repent, look at the passage. What's it saying? This says repent. Change your mind. Why? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The king is here. Jesus is saying, change your mind. I'm here. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Savior. He wants the nation to realize he is the Messiah, the king, and to trust him. That's the plan. Now, I want you to see the rest of the passage, and we'll go really fast through this. The rest of the passage is Jesus calls four guys. He gets Peter and Andrew and James and John. He's calling what his first disciples. Now, I want you to understand something. You remember I said a while ago, he, we're going to read that he's walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he sees two guys, and he goes, hey, you guys, come on. I'll make you fishers of men. And they go, yeah, okay. Who, who is he? I don't know. Let's just go follow him. That's what a lot of people think. That's not what happened. This is not a salvation passage. This is not Jesus finding two guys and saying, come be with me and I'll save you. They're already saved. They already know him. They already spent time with him. This is a discipleship message. Do you understand that salvation is a gift and it costs you nothing, but discipleship is service and it costs us our lives? What did he say to them? Believe in me? He didn't say believe in me. He says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. This is discipleship. And so we're going to see Peter and Andrew, they follow, and James and John, they follow. Now, I want you to see something that maybe you've never thought about. Hold your place in Matthew and turn to the Gospel of John verse uh, chapter 1. Just flip over there. Flip over there. John chapter 1. Do you remember going back that all of this happened... After Jesus has gone north and started the ministry, after who got put into prison? John the Baptist. I want you to watch something. Jesus, as we get to John chapter 1, Jesus has already been baptized by John the Baptist. And one day, John the Baptist is there with his guys, and Jesus walks by. And in John 1.29, John says, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's the Savior. John the Baptist points out to some of these guys, there is the Messiah. On the next day, he's with the same guys. Jesus comes by, and John goes, there's the Lamb of God. And a couple of them begin to follow him. Two of the disciples heard John speak, and they followed Jesus. And they're following Jesus, and Jesus goes... What do you guys want? And they didn't know what to say. So they said, where do you live? They didn't know what to say. And he said, come and see. And they spent time with him and they realized he was the Messiah and they trusted him. And one of them was Andrew and he went and found his brother Peter and he said, we found, we found the Messiah, come on. And Peter comes and when Peter comes, his name is uh, Simon and Jesus says, hmm, your name's Simon but I'm going to call you Peter, which means Rocky which means the rock, which means you're going to be a tough guy. You're going to stand strong. That's what he called him. And so these guys already know. And guess what? They were with Jesus. And then if you flip to chapter 2, 
They see Jesus change the water to wine in Cana of Galilee. And if you go to chapter 3, they see Jesus talking to this guy named Nicodemus. Okay? And so they see all this, but I want you to read a verse. I want you to see one verse. John chapter 3, verse 22. After these things, this is after Jesus has seen these guys changed the water to wine in, Gal- in Cana of Galilee. He's already talked with John, uh, with uh, Nicodemus. And then it says, after these things, Jesus' disciples came to Judea because he was down there with John because John was baptizing so many people. And then it says in verse 24, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. So go back to Matthew and understand Jesus got these guys. They followed him. He took them to a wedding. They watched him change the water to wine. They saw him do a couple of miracles. They taught him to talk to Nicodemus. And then they went back fishing. They went back fishing. And then John gets put into prison. Jesus goes north. He goes to the Sea of Galilee. And who is he looking for? He's looking for those guys that he already knows. Those who have already trusted in him. And he sees Peter and Andrew. And he goes, hey, hey, you guys. I'll make you fishers of men. They don't go, who is that? They go, it's Jesus. Let's go be with him. And then he sees James and John, and he goes, hey, come here. And they go, it's Jesus. Let's go follow him. Let's go be with him. So I want you to notice, this is not a salvation passage. This is a discipleship passage. See, all this happened. John chapters chapters 1, 2, and 3, all this happened before we moved back to Galilee. And so look at verse 18. Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and they were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Remember where this is? It's way up here. See, they met Jesus. They met Jesus down here. But then they went back fishing. And when Jesus comes up here, he comes and finds them. And notice what it says. He said to them, follow me, not believe in me. Salvation is not following Jesus. Salvation is believing in Jesus for eternal life. Following Jesus is discipleship. They are two different things. One is free and one costs you. Okay? Just remember that. And so he gets this guy and he he says to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their, their boats and followed him. Remember, salvation is by faith and cost us nothing. Discipleship is cost us our lives. Follow me. Let me ask you a question. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? I want you to think about it. By faith, I hope every one of you in this room, by faith, you become a believer. Now, you trust in Christ. You become a child of God. By grace, you're saved through faith and not yourselves. the gift of God. So you are a child of God, and you're saved simply by faith. That's fantastic. You have eternal life. Here's the second question. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Are you following him? Are you living for him? Romans 12 says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, offer your lives as living sacrifices. That's different. And when Jesus came by that Sea of Galilee and saw those guys and said, follow me, he wasn't talking about believing in me and having eternal life. They already believed in him and had eternal life. He was saying, I want you to be in the ministry. I want you to serve. I want you to follow me. I want you to be my disciple. I want your life to count for me. And he asked the same thing for every one of us in this room who know Christ. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior, he's saying to you, you have eternal life. I want you 
to follow me. I want you to live for me. I want your life to count for me. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, wherever you're going, I want your life to count for me. That's a disciple. That's what he's doing with these guys right here. This is not salvation. This is discipleship. Look at the next verse. Verse 21. Going on from there, he saw the two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee and their father, and mending their nets, and he called them. He called them to what? Follow. Immediately they left the boat and their father, and what did they do? It didn't say, and they believed in him. It said they followed him. They've already believed in him. Four men. Not only four believers, but four disciples who are following Jesus Christ. Now, they're not apostles yet. Apostle and disciples are two different things. We'll get to it later on because he's going to name 12 of his disciples apostles. And we'll talk about what that means when we get there. So we've seen John was in prison. Jesus went north, fulfilled the word of God, which was through Isaiah. And his message is the king is here. And he chose, we see him choosing four men to come help him, to be with him, to make disciples to catch men. So let's get to the application. First of all, let's trust the Word of God. It's always true. It's always right. All the promises are true. The Isaiah passages, there are two or three places that it says, this fulfill the Word of God always does. God's Word always comes true. Any promise in the Bible that is for us, we can count on it. Let me tell you something. Did he say the moment you believe in him, you have eternal life? Do you have eternal life? Yes. Do you ever doubt it? No. You have eternal life. It's a promise. He keeps his promises. He says, I give you eternal life, and you will what? Never perish. That's a promise. It's always going to come true. One of these days, well, you have eternal life right now, but one of these days you're going to be with Jesus Christ forever because that's a promise that he makes. His word is always true. Second, let's understand the difference between salvation and discipleship. Salvation is a gift which costs us nothing. It comes just by faith. John three sixteen. God's love of the world gave his only begotten son that whosoever did what? Believe. That's all it is by faith. But discipleship costs us our lives. Follow him. Take up your cross. Die to yourself. Live for Jesus Christ. There are a lot of believers. There's not a whole lot of disciples. You want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We want our lives to count for Christ. The third thing, let's catch people. Let's be used by God to catch people. Let's be fishers of men. That means to make disciples. That means to go lead people to Christ and train them and equip them. Something bigger than yourself. Listen, we, we, we can't go through life and just go through life for ourselves. We've got to have something bigger. Your life has got to count for something more than you. It's got to count for Christ. You've got to be able to say, Lord, I want my life for you. I will go wherever, wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want to do. I want my life to count for you. And that's making disciples and being fishers of men and going there and following Jesus Christ and leading people to Christ and training them and equipping them. We've got to be used by God to make a difference for Christ.